You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Welcome to BGM Politics. It's great to have you back on episode two. And I'm so thrilled to bring to you some of these great progressive voices on this series. Today's episode features Michaela Wilkes, who is running for Congress. Michaela Wilkes is a candidate for Maryland's 5th Congressional District in the U.S. House. She's challenging Steny Hoyer. To give you a little bit of background on Hoyer, he is currently Maryland's 5th Congressional District Representative and has been since 1981, probably before many of you listeners were even born. He also serves as House Majority Leader since 2019. He is the second ranking Democrat in the House of Representatives behind Nancy Pelosi. Michaela Wilkes wants to fight for justice for African Americans, indigenous communities, and LGBTQ rights. Accessibility and mental health is important. Raising the minimum wage and cutting $200 billion in wasteful defense spending is just a sample of many issues she plans to fight for. Take a listen to Michaela's personal story that led her to politics. I didn't think that I would be where I am today. Chances are that I should be unemployed in jail or probably even worse. I'm running for Congress for Maryland's 5th District, but getting here has definitely not been easy. When I was 15, I was placed in juvenile detention facilities for running away from home. There was even one instance where a guard threatened to hold me down and cut my braids out if I didn't cut them out myself. I was even jailed for driving on a suspended license. I was seven months pregnant living paycheck to paycheck. I couldn't afford to pay all my tickets and court fees, and I had no choice but to drive or I'd lose my job. We need a criminal justice system that offers rehabilitation instead of exploitation. This is why I want to end cash bail. I want to end the failed war on drugs, and I want to make sure that pregnant women are treated fairly in prison. And I also want to get rid of the predatory rates that prisoners and their families are forced to pay in order to speak to their loved ones. Families shouldn't have to choose between putting food on the table and making a phone call to talk to one of their loved ones. Our representation is so out of touch with the people's needs. Even worse, they're funded by those who profit off our most vulnerable. Check out the rest of my platform online because we've got a lot of work to do. I'm Michaela Wilkes and I'm running as who I am for who we are. Michaela Wilkes also has a focus on Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, two progressive platforms that Hoyer has declined to support. The primary election for Maryland's 5th Congressional District is April 28, 2020. Michaela Wilkes states on her website that she will offer fresh leadership and a much-needed perspective as a young, working-class woman of color. There is more at stake than just whether our representative has a D or an R next to their name our children's future, the health of our communities, and the livelihoods of working families are all on the line. We have Michaela Wilkes, who is running for Congress in Maryland in the 5th District, and I'm really excited to to talk to her about just policy, what her plans are for when um, she gets into office, because we're speaking that into existence, um, and and a whole lot more here on our politics show. So, Michaela, tell us tell us how you got into politics and what led you to decide to run for Congress. I got 
got into politics because I recognized that our current political system did not necessarily look out for our interests. Um, and by our interests, I mean, you know, regular working class people. I saw how our criminal justice system, how our healthcare system, how our social net, um, how our social security net affects people in our communities. Um, my life experiences in itself, dealing with the criminal justice system, having, you know, just life happening to me or being impoverished, having that being criminalized, um, and feeling like people in my community didn't have a voice, uh, which led me to uh, become more interested in politics. Uh, because initially, I was interested in becoming a psychologist to work with people who were imprisoned so that I can offer an aspect of rehabilitation versus exploitation, which is what I felt like happened to me when I was in, uh, involved with the criminal justice system and seeing others that were involved in the criminal justice system as well. Um, but when I became an adult and I saw how poverty was just really um, criminalized, how being homeless was criminalized, how mental health issues were being criminalized, how substance abuse was being criminalized, just life in general where people were being criminalized, I realized that it was a whole systemic issue um, and it was bigger than the individual, which caused me to look into legislation. It caused me to look into what my representative was doing. Um, and that is what motivated me to decide to run for Congress because people like me, people in our community, need that voice. They need someone who's going to be beholden to their interests and actually look out for the people because we elect our politicians. And when we elect them, we trust them to look out for us. And I feel like Maryland's the district deserves that much. It's really refreshing to hear someone like you that has been through um, some of the issues that you're actually running on. And I, I was looking at your website, by the way, and you have a very expansive, detailed list of issues that you are going to be working on if you're elected. Uh, and one thing that was pretty remarkable, too, is that you're essentially trying to pull an AOC here with what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did by challenging a 20-term member of Congress House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. However, Maryland's 5th District is 60% white. Does that concern you at all? Um, to be honest, it doesn't concern me uh, because race aside, we each have issues that we care about deeply. Like, life happens to us, you know, regardless of what our race is, albeit disproportionately to disproportionately for others, of course. Um, but just having that aspect of having firsthand experience of how legislation affects us helps voters to resonate with me. And I've already been seeing that as I've been talking with voters and also people who are politically disengaged that live in our district. And w what are the methods that you're trying to do as far as, like, getting your voice out there, getting your message out there, having the community know that you're running for Congress. What are some of the things that you were doing on a, on a grassroots level? So we've been phone banking like crazy. We've been canvassing like crazy. We've been using every single measure that we can to get out into the community. Um, social media has been a big help dealing with um, 
a big help in reaching out to, you know, like maybe the younger crowd or even that, you know, now a lot of older people are starting to use Facebook as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but just, just using any, any measure to reach the public, um, my best measure that I like to use is canvassing, going out into the communities, and not just door knocking because when, when candidates door knock, we have a system, a software called BAN, which is a voter access network. Mm-hmm. And that's fine when you're trying to reach voters, but we also need to increase voter turnout and we need to get people to vote that feel as though our political system has failed them. They belong to trust in our system. And that's how we're going to win, is connecting with politically disengaged communities. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what AOC did. And now we see her on the news all day and being uh, (laughs) taunted and teased by the right. Um, I see that you support the HR 40 proposal, which supports reparations for black Americans. Why is this particular proposal important to push through Congress? This is important for Congress because as a black as a black person and being in the black community, our people have suffered beyond, you know, hundreds of years of slavery. We have been oppressed and we are still being oppressed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now we need our system to acknowledge what has happened to us and what is still happening to us. HR forty will get us the reparations we need. It's going to put back into our communities. You know, I will support, um, I'll support giving individual checks to descendants of, to African descendants of slaves, um, putting into our communities, ending the war on drugs. Um, and those are the forms of reparations that I see that will be fit, not only for our district, but entire, across the entire nation. Um, because as long as well overdue. I mean, they still owe us 40 acres and a mule. Right. Um, and, and it's like, we need this. We deserve this. We helped to build this country, albeit it was involuntarily, but we did it. You know, it's time that we get something for our suffering, for our ancestors. It needs to be acknowledged that this happened to us, that our people went through this, and that we are currently still being oppressed. We are, we are, and there's so many issues right now that adversely affect African Americans. I mean, everything from healthcare, uh, student loan debt, um, just a lot of socioeconomic issues. Uh, it, it runs the gamut on on how it affects Black Americans. And another part of um, this too that I had saw one of the issues that you're wanting to push through is Juneteenth. You want to make it a federal holiday. And I'm, I'm surprised that, yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Is, is that also under HR 40? Um, I don't believe that it's under HR 40, um, which is why that's on a separate that wasn't included in the bill in my platform for HR 40. Um, but Juneteenth absolutely needs to be a federal holiday. July 4th is school and everything. It's my birthday. But that was not an independent day for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it absolutely needs to be celebrated, um, the ending of slavery in itself, um, the freeing of all the slaves. That needs to be acknowledged. Right. Uh, but as I said before, I, I said on Twitter a while ago, I feel like there's this stagnant movement towards 
making Juneteenth a federal holiday because that way they will have to acknowledge that this happened to us. And it's the same thing with reparations. It needs to be acknowledged. We need some type of acknowledgement of what happened to us. BGM Politics will return in just a moment. How are you taking care of your mental health and wellness? Is going to a licensed professional and therapist in their office sometimes a daunting process? Well, look no further. You can get online counseling through the privacy of your own home, on your computer or your smartphone, through BetterHelp. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling that's done securely online. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And guess what? Financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Feel free to do your research. Visit their website. Read their testimonials. They're posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash BGN. That's Better H-E-L-P. And join over 500,000 people that are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Here at Black Girl Nerds, we are offering you 10% off of your first month. Simply go to betterhelp.com forward slash BGM and you can get 10% off your first month. Take care of yourself today with BetterHelp. Exactly. No, that, I mean, the only way you can heal is to acknowledge and remember and then, you know, learn to heal from that. Um, but by just forgetting it and pretending as if it didn't happen and moving on, that that's not going to heal the pain. So I'm glad that you want to put that through. I think that that's something that should have been done decades ago, um, generations ago. Um, and I'm surprised yeah. that, that that's not the case now. So that's that's refreshing to hear. Um, kind of switching over to women's rights, because obviously there's a lot of women that listen to this show, and there's some really thing. Th- there's a lot on the table that's important, but this one issue that you brought up, I, you know, I didn't realize until now that I thought, yeah, this should be a thing. So you want to make sanitary products free for everyone? Amen. <laughs> I mean, condoms are free. Why do men get everything free? Like, right. We have nothing for ourselves. I mean, that needs, we need that, along with free birth control. But right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just kind of don't. It's one of those things where until someone brings it up to you, you, you don't realize that that's, you know, a thing, that that's something that shouldn't have actually been, you know, that this is something that should have been taken care of. So I am surprised that we don't have free sanitary products for everyone woman and and also the fact that like when you do go to the restrooms you have to pay like 10 cents or 25 cents or something to get a sanitary napkin so exactly and then also they only recently just got rid of the tampon tax for sanitary products see i didn't even know that that. yeah wow well that's excellent yes please make it so that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> women do not have to pay for these products because, yeah, that should not even be a thing. Um, more on the more serious side of, of health care, I mean, that's that's a very serious issue for me is free sanitary napkins, but also with respect to Medicare for all. So 
Medicare for all is a really hot topic, especially on the debate stage among the Democrats. Why is this such a divisive issue within the party? This is a divisive issue because of money. Mm. That's what it boils down to. It boils down to the pharmaceutical companies. It boils down to the health insurance companies, the private health insurance companies that put profit over people. And it comes, it also has to do with the politicians who receive this money and who are more beholden to their corporate donors and the people who actually elected them to represent them in the first place. That's why Medicare for all is so important. And even though we're talking about Medicare for all, that goes back to getting money out of politics. Um, Because for something as serious as Medicare for all, something that will help us all so much, it's going to save lives. 123 people die each day from being uninsured not even counting the millions of people who are at risk because they're not covered with the insurance that they have, that are underinsured. This is something that will help us. And when when we have politicians that are more beholden to the people who give them the biggest dollar, that is an issue. That is a huge issue because this shouldn't even be something that is dividing the party. This should actually be something that all Democrats not just progressive Democrats. All Democrats should support Medicare for all. And even though it's unfortunate, you know, we haven't heard of it yet, but Republicans should support it as well. This shouldn't even be a partisan issue in healthcare, and healthcare should be human rights because our lives are not a commodity. Exactly. It it really, this out of all of the issues that are sort of at the forefront of our consciousness as we're listening to these debates and as this um, sort of election season continues, Medicare is very important to me uh, because I think the fact that there are millions of people walking around without health insurance and if something happens to them, they won't get the proper care that they need is just non-excusable like there should be no excuse for why a human being cannot be able to seek medical attention and I found that there's a lot of intellectual dishonesty going on with some of these candidates they're rebranding Medicare like for example Pete Buttigieg saying Medicare for all if you want it and I think recently Tulsi Gabbard did an interview where she said Medicare choice So they're using these terms, and it's confusing, I think, a a lot of voters. I mean, why do you – how can people get a clear, concise understanding of what Medicare for all is? Because there's just so much jargon out there. There's so much misinformation. I feel like voters probably don't quite understand it, and that's why they are kind of leaning towards less progressive candidates because they're, you know, scared of it. Yes. Um, and I have heard that I've heard uh, I've heard people constituents um, voice their concerns about Medicare for all, but because of that reason that they don't understand it, because there is all this extra jargon and people manipulating what it should be or what they feel like it should be. But the only clear path to treat healthcare as a human right is Medicare for all. And for anyone who doesn't understand what that is, I explain it as it's not the Medicare system that we have now. Medicare for all 
is a system where every single person is covered, regardless of if you are employed, regardless of if you have the ability to pay, every single person receives health care. Every single person. And it also means the abolition of private insurance companies. And the reason why, because a lot of people say, well, why does it, why, what is wrong with the public option? The issue with the public option and the issue with private health insurance companies is that health insurance is never, ever going to get cheaper. These are corporations. These are millionaires. These are billionaires. The main thing that they are focused on is making a profit. That is the issue with private health care and private insurance companies. And that's why we need to get rid of them and that's why we need to enact Medicare for all. And you hear centrists and you hear people on the right say, well, what about choice? What about competition? Hmm. First of all, no one has a choice. When you have health insurance, no one has a choice of what doctor they want to see. We don't choose our doctors. Mm -hmm. Our networks choose our doctors. Right. You know, our networks choose our doctors. We don't have a say in that. Medicare for all literally creates a plethora of choices for us. And when I hear them say, well, what about competition? Competition is what makes America great. Well, competition is the reason why health insurance is the way that it is now. It's the reason why people aren't covered. It's the reason why people are dying. And it's the reason why people are being denied the care that they should be receiving. Absolutely. And I mean, Medicare is something that has existed for decades now. And, you know, my mom has it. Many people that are of retirement age have it. So the fact that this is a system that's already in place that exists, it boggles my mind that somehow by expanding it to every other American that somehow that's just, oh, no, we can't do that. That's just going too far. So yeah, I agree with you completely. You know, obviously, there's a lot of talk on the news about our president. Uh, Looks like he's in some hot water right now. I wanted to get your opinion. What do you think about the impeachment inquiry? Is this something that the Democrats making this choice is, are they going down the right path? Should it be something that they should reconsider? What's your opinion on that? They should absolutely not reconsider the impeachment inquiry. Um, I really honestly, truly wish that um, they would have started the the impeachment proceedings or the impeachment inquiry a lot more sooner uh, than now. But late is better than never. Mm -hmm. Um, Our president is a criminal. He is a bigot. He is a racist. He is a homophobic uh, person. He is a liar. This is someone that should not even be president right now. He, His whole presidency, his whole base is fueled by white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, that is a huge issue for me. You cannot be a racist and be an objective leader to the entire country because you are automatically biased, you know? He might not have came out and said, oh, I'm a racist, but you might as well. When you say white supremacy is not a big issue, it's just a small group of people. Like, hell it is. <laughs> it's a huge group of people. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, for instance, the, when he, he, had a, he held a rally um, a few months ago where the entire crowd was chanting, send them back. Right. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the women of color that are in Congress. 
this is the president who's fueling us. He's fueling white supremacy in this country. Um, I think that he should have been um, looked into for impeachment. I'm glad that they're doing it now. He doesn't deserve to be the president. We also need to change. Um, we need to change that part of the Constitution that says the sitting president cannot be indicted on any crime. Amen. Uh, because that's just, it's, it's total BS. If I can go to jail for driving on suspended license, he can go to jail for treason. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I also agree with the fact that impeachment inquiry should have happened way, way before now. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how all of that pans out. His approval numbers are dropping. So there's hope that, um, you know, we'll hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see a Democrat in the White House uh, next year or in 2021. So kind of switching gears a little bit, I wanted to kind of end on a lighter note and talk to you about geeky stuff. Here at Black Girl Nerds, we, we talk about nerdy and geeky things. Is there is there a geeky or nerdy trait about you that you can share with our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so I like watching documentaries, like crime documentaries. Nice. Like, I fall asleep with the ID channel on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of like my nerdy side. Like, I absolutely love that. Um, also, aside from before I was, like, into politics, I would, even though it was based off of my circumstances, but I would just randomly research laws. Like, I would do random law research. Nice. Um, to just look into legislation and just to be aware, even though it started from me basically trying to, like, defend myself in court, that's what it stemmed from, uh, but it grew to be um, kind of a passion of mine, um, and which is one of the things that helped me decide that uh, I did want to go to law school, which is now I go to school for political science uh, with the hopes of obtaining my bachelor's and then uh, proceeding to law school. That's awesome. Well, that's good that you like to just study law for fun because we definitely want a representative that knows the law. So that's that's fantastic. Um, where can listeners find out more about you, your website, any events that you're going to be speaking at um, so that way they can kind of get in and see what you're all about? Michaela Wilkes, everyone. Thank you so much, Michaela, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of BGN Politics. A new episode will drop next Wednesday. I thank you so much for your support and tuning in. This is executive produced and edited by yours truly. The music on this show is from Filmstro. Just go to filmstro.com forward slash music and this is an independently produced podcast so if you do enjoy what you're listening to and you wish to lend your support then go to patreon.com forward slash black girl nerds also on itunes why don't you give us a rating and leave a comment let us know what you think about this show 
This is a limited series podcast, so maybe, who knows, we'll extend these episodes if this is something that you want to keep hearing. But in the meantime, thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week.